Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Thank you for taking time to listen to a podcast from the Texas Medical Association. Today, we're going to talk about getting started with telemedicine, especially amid COVID-19. My name is Shannon Vogel, and I am director of TMA's Health Information Technology Department. I am pleased to have joining me today, Ogachika Alozi, MD from El Paso. Dr. Alozi specializes in infectious disease and is on TMA's COVID-19 task force, as well as our telemedicine task force. Dr. Alozi, please take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with telemedicine. Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, thank you very much, Shannon. I am excited to sort of have this conversation and help physicians out there in Texas really figure out how to navigate this. Um, I think you said enough about me the way I look at it. Um, I've been in El Paso about 10 years, board certified in infectious diseases, clinical informatics, former chief health informatics officer at Texas Tech, presently a chief medical officer at a HCA facility here in El Paso called Del Sol Medical Center and still have an HIV hepatitis C practice with about 1,300 patients. We've been doing a host of technologically driven projects really for the last five or six years. And so really excited about the growth that we've seen there. And so let's get it going. I'm I'm excited to have this conversation. Thank you. Our intent today is to provide you with pragmatic guidance to get you started with telemedicine. Dr. Alozi, tell us a little bit about what you've done as far as getting started with telemedicine. I think getting started with telemedicine historically has been about what's your use case. Are you doing telemedicine because you're involved in an ACO, um, an integrated delivery network? Are you doing it because your volume of patients precludes you from seeing all of them in the best way possible? And so you're triaging them. Those are all different use cases. I think today, specifically because of COVID-19, there's a lot of conversation about telemedicine because the governor recently announced the parity in terms of payment. I think being able to ensure that we have a dynamic, fluid, and vibrant workforce, and now especially across state lines, makes telemedicine that people are really going to be looking at, and I think that's important. Before you talk about getting started, however, in telemedicine, once you've identified your use case, then the next thing is really identifying what's your workflow, right? Who's going to set it up? If you're in an EMR, is your front desk going to set it up? Are you going to set it up? Do you have a script? Do you want to create a script for every visit? And so each visit has a different script. Do you want to have it within your EMR? So for example, if you're on eClinical Works or I think Epic and Cerner, they all have modules that actually live within the EMR, will pop up a little screen right next to where you document, and then you can document and nothing really changes for you. Okay. If, on the other hand, you're within an Athena or a host of other electronic medical records, you're probably going to need a third-party vendor, right? And so whether it's Doxy.me, Medici, there's a whole list of them out there, probably 50-plus right now, whether you want to go with Amwell, American Well, or um, DocBook or DocMD, whatever it is, all those are sort of third-party. You have to figure that out. And so once you figure out how you well why you want to do it how you want to do it and who you want to do it with then i always recommend to people that you have to do a couple of test runs now whether you do that test run with just your hospital 
group, whether you do it with your clinical group, whomever, you may do it with a colleague, right? So when I did this probably three or four years ago, the first time I tried it with my clinic staff and that's with my colleagues in the community. So we tested things back and forth. Whatever the case is, you don't want the first time you ever try this to be with a patient that's waiting. That's not going to be a very um, high patient satisfaction score for you um, or for, I mean, the patient or for you, really. And so once you get all that settled, then you have to start reaching out to your patients, right? So your patients will not know you do this unless you let them know you're going to do it. And so then you have to really whether you're using a patient portal, phone call system, whatever the system that you have to get outreach to your patients, you got to figure that out and then go from there. And then last but not least, and I say this all the time, I mean, you can't shoot unless you score. And at some point in time, you just got to rip the Band-Aid off and jump and really go get it. So that's that's kind of the high sort of level of how to approach these things. And I mean, we'll talk more about other details as we go along today. Thank you. That That is all really good guidance. So walk us through how you do a patient visit um, through telemedicine. What, what does that look like with you and with your clinic staff? So for me, I use Athena Health. And apart from Athena Health as my telemedicine vendor, I use Medici. So if you go on um, Line and Medici has a web portal that you can access from any browser. If you want to do it from your phone, they have an app for both Android and Apple that you can download. I rarely use the app personally. I just like to have a laptop or a computer in front of me when I'm doing these things. It just feels a little bit better. And I want to be able to document, right? So I usually have either one laptop and I have two different tabs and I just kind of minimize them, put them side by side. Or if I have the setup that I have right here at home and I'm doing it from home, I actually have two different screens. And so I'll put up my EMR on my, um, actually my right hand screen, because that's where I'll be typing. And then I naturally sort of turn left. um, And so I'll be looking at the patient through the other screen that has a video monitor on it. And so I manage from there. We actually book telemedicine visits ahead of time. And when I say ahead of time, all it has to be is before I get into it, right? So if a patient calls weeks ahead and wants a telemedicine visit, we put it as a separate part of the schedule within our scheduling portion in Athena. And so it's set up there. If not, somebody calls in five minutes before a visit that they can't make and says, hey, I can't make it to clinic. Can I do a telehealth visit? Then we'll do it there. And I actually have gotten to the point with my staff where I've now said, if somebody comes in, they're running 30 minutes to an hour late, let's not reschedule them for the same day. Let's not wait. Let's ask them if they're available to do a telemedicine visit. And so we'll convert it to that. Okay. So when I look inside of my EMR, it has my schedule. I'll see my normal in-person visits and below it are my televisits. I click on it. My front desk staff will reach out to the patient, ensure that they're ready to go, that they've downloaded the app, their internet's working. They do all that sort of backhand stuff or sort of stuff in the background first. Then when I look at my chart, it just goes green. And when it goes green, I know the patient's ready. So I'll go into the chart, I'll prep it, look at their labs, look at what I need to focus on. On my other tab or on my other screen, I'll then launch Medici, hit the call button, and then have a conversation with the patient and really sort of talk to them, see what's going on, what do they need, what are they there for, ask some questions. I may document in real time. I may take some notes on the documentation and um, flesh it out a little bit later. And then thank them for their time, um, wish them a great day, tell them that the staff will get back to them on scheduling the next visit. Then I'll close it up, finish up my documentation, go in, and then I'll bill it. 
And that's it. And it really set, set it up for the next patient. That is great. So you said the screen goes green when the patient is ready. Is that the staff signal, signaling you that they do something that makes it turn green? Or how does that signal get to you? Totally, 100%. That is specifically the staff that does that. Okay. And so what I've told them is before they check the person in, and it doesn't matter what EMR you're in, all of the EMRs have some sort of signal, either a color or a symbol that changes that lets you as the physician know the patient is ready to go and talk to. And so they do it on the back end. So they'll call the patient, hey, are you ready for your appointment? Or the patient will check in and I'll know that they're online because it'll show that the patient's in the waiting room <clears throat> electronically. And then I'll just go in and once they're green, whether the front desk has done it or the patient has done it, then I'll go in and start the visit. That's great, that's a good workflow. And it sounds like you really have it down well with your staff. And, and I like what you said before that if you're going to score, you at some point you just have to shoot and get started. Yes, definitely. At some point, you just have to go in and get it done. And I, I'll tell people this. The first time you do it, it's not going to feel normal because it's not what we're trained on, right? Historically, especially I'm in my 40s, my age and above, we're trained on face-to-face -face interaction, touch, feel, smell, depending on what the patient is there for. That really drives what a patient visit is like. This is different. And it's interesting in talking to physicians, young or not young, right? I hear a lot of times, well, I can't do a physical exam, so it's not a real visit. And I tell them I get that. But again, a telemedicine visit is not for everything, it's not for that patient that has um, congestive heart failure, perhaps, right? Or uh, it's hard for me because I've converted so many different visits to telehealth that there are very few things that I don't think I can do by telehealth. Obviously, if somebody's sick, fever, cough, and all the rest, prior to this COVID area, I would actually have them come in. It's interesting now that this is specifically going to be used to keep that person away, Right. We're going to go based off of the symptomatology of do you have a fever? Are you coughing? Are you shortness of, or do you have shortness of breath? And then make a decision on how we go from there. I often tell people when they say, well, I didn't I didn't do the blood pressure, so it's not real. And I actually asked a couple of friends and there were more than a couple. And this was before social distancing. But I asked a couple of friends the other day, um, how often do you actually do the blood pressure? And these were eight different doctors, multiple different specialties. None of them had actually taken a blood pressure in over a decade. I said, so if you're telling me that you haven't taken the blood pressure in over a decade, and I'm going to assume that you think you take a better blood pressure than your nurse or your MA or your front desk staff, then what's the difference in the patient doing it? There's a host of evidence that say that patient-reported outcomes and patient-reported monitoring around blood pressure, around daily weights, post-CHF discharge, a host of other things are just as good, if not better, because they can get multiple readings. In a doctor's office, you only, usually only do one. At home, they can do four, five, six in a day, right? You get a spread. And so you actually get a better number to really base your clinical decisions off of. And so again, um, my biggest thing is telling people that you have to take all of your preconceived notions and sort of throw them out the window and then focus on how are you gonna give this patient the best care possible. I'm glad that you brought that up about the vitals because that is a question I sometimes get that is a bit of a fear with telemedicine is I'm treating a patient without knowing their vitals. So that was a really good point. So thank you for that. 
Moving along, I do want to mention that during this podcast, we are specifically not going to get into billing detail. I know that is a big frustration with physicians around billing. During COVID-19, there are a lot of relaxations, and I would encourage uh, physicians to check the TMA telemedicine page, www.texmed.org forward slash telemedicine. We are updating that almost daily with new resources and new information as state and federal regulations are relaxed during COVID-19 specifically. Dr. Alozi, anything else in closing that you would like to tell your colleagues as getting started? Um, Maybe barriers that you felt like you had to overcome? Anything about the uh, room where the telemedicine visits take place, about your environment that you make sure of before you begin a visit? Um, anything along those lines you would like to mention before we go? I think it's important for everybody to understand that if you haven't been doing telemedicine, you can't necessarily turn it on in one day. You're going to have to try it. And just like riding a bike, you may try, you may fall, you may try, you may fall, but eventually you'll get used to it, right? You'll build up that muscle memory. And so I think that's number one. I think that number two is sort of getting rid of the preconceived notions around what's necessary and what not what's not necessary. Like you mentioned, in terms of the billing, go to the TMA website. There's some great resources. There's some codes that are for telemedicine. There's a host of changes that have happened around telemedicine, both from payment parity that was announced recently, some of the HIPAA restrictions, right? And and the reality is this, and I called a bunch of apps and um, neither here nor there, I called them because they were top of mind and I used one of them. But remember, from a HHS standpoint, they've relaxed a lot of those OCR HIPAA regulations around the tool. And so if you want to use FaceTime or Google Talk or WhatsApp video, use it right? I caution against it initially just because, remember, that's your phone number that's out there. And so it just depends on how comfortable you are having your phone number when the patient calls you. They may want to reach you at all points in time. And so maybe go get a burner phone, right? Get a different phone that you put the WhatsApp or the whatever on. And that's the phone that just stays in the office and that's the telemedicine phone or the telemedicine iPad, whatever the case may be. Or find a third-party um, application. I think so. The technology piece is important, and I also think that this is an exciting time. Just 30 days ago, if you had said that we would have a relaxation of HIPAA requirements, that there would be payment parity, that we would talk about removing state lines around licensing, everybody on this podcast, listening to this podcast across the state and in D.C., would have said, oh, no, no, we can't do that. That has to go to the next legislative session. It's going to take a bunch of lobbying. It'll take another decade. And a little virus that's less than three microns changed that in 48 hours. So remember, the power of we and the power of the patient is always going to be stronger than the power of regulations and bottlenecks and red tape. And we're in an exciting time right now. I'm on a bunch of chat groups with ID colleagues, general medicine colleagues, surgical colleagues, um, county medical society colleagues here in El Paso, and they're all talking about it, right? It's the constant conversation. How to do telemedicine? Where to do telemedicine? Have you tried it? Have you not tried it? Have you billed it? Have you not billed it? Remember, the billing doesn't go into effect until April 1st. That's when the parity is. Go to the Texas um, Medical Association website to get those details and really um, take a shot and hopefully you'll score. And with that, I really got nothing else. But thank you, Shannon. This has been fun. Thank you, Dr. Lozzi. Sage advice for everyone. I really appreciate your time. Thanks again, folks, for joining us on this telemedicine podcast through the Texas Medical Association. And uh, until next time, stay well.